But dear friends in Christ, throughout this season of Advent, can I have control there, Gary? There we go. Okay, thank you. We've witnessed the light of God's grace in Zechariah's hope, in Isaiah's peace, in Elizabeth's joy. And now in this fourth week of Advent, we consider that light of grace with shining it with love. That is about the story of Mary, the mother of our Lord. And Mary's story is unlike the other stories and accounts that we've heard in, throughout an Advent season. She did not come from a prestigious family like priests like Zechariah or Elizabeth. She had no prophetic gifts or eloquence like Isaiah. And she had no pedigree of any kind. We also learned that Mary was very poor. And after Jesus was born, 40, after 40 days when it was a time for Mary's purification, you know, she could not afford the sacrificial offering of a lamb. As she was representative of poor people, she could only bring either two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And although she was engaged to a man whose ancestry came from that line of David, well, that man Joseph, he was just a simple carpenter. He was from Nazareth. And in a world that all things of distinction and power you know, just seemed to matter, well, Mary had none of that. She was a humble, poor, and lowly woman. And Mary's story begins when she's still living at home and she's with her family at a, as a young virgin. And the light of God's grace would come shining upon her. And the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This greeting called Mary the favored one, one who was full of grace. And Mary, as a result, she was troubled and fearful about that angel's presence. She didn't understand what sort of greeting Gabriel was bringing to her. And in the midst of that moment of grace, well, Mary pondered about what was going on. Now, we shouldn't mistake Mary's pondering for distrust in the Lord. She faithfully receives that promise of grace that she has been chosen as the favored one. And as a result, her pondering is also of her faith in God, seeking greater understanding about it. And as we see, Mary's pondering is really characteristic of her story. You know, she really seeks to understand the word of God as it's given to her for her life and for the life of others, and especially for the life of one person, that child who would be Jesus, her own son. And seeking to calm her troubled heart, well, the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There's that word of grace again from God, favor. And the angel continues. He says, and now you will conceive in your womb and you'll bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And all his kingdom, enough those people in his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary... You know, she's not done pondering. She asks a question, a question that needs a good answer, a good news answer. 
And, you know, she asked Gabriel, you know, how can this be since I am a virgin? It's a good question, isn't it? You know, how will God's promised son be conceived? And particularly in the womb and life of this humble, lowly, poor woman, a virgin. Well, Gabriel responds with perhaps what we would know as a grace-filled answer. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, she has also conceived a son. And this woman, she's now in her sixth month. And she was said to be barren before that. For nothing will be impossible with God, Mary. But Mary, she's not done pondering. Did Mary grasp all this? Did she connect the significance here of her yet-to-be-born son with that claim from the angel that says nothing is impossible with God? Well, Jesus' name means God saves. Or God makes a saving place. And Jesus will make a saving place in the life of Mary and in the lives of us all. And when Jesus, when he was older, when he was baptized and began his ministry, the Holy Spirit rested on him as that dove. And he heard the words of his father declare to him, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And love was present in the father's heart here as Jesus was being prepared for the purpose for which he was being sent, as we saw on that video even earlier, to make a saving place of love for all of us. And while we did not carry that child in our womb like Mary did, we do become bearers of Christ's promising name and his gracious love. In our baptism, God made a place for us. He did that as we became connected with Jesus' light of love. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon each of us. And as the Father of our Lord graciously looks upon us, what does he call us? He calls us his beloved children. We're special in God's eyes. Mary, well, she's going to have some more pondering along her path of faith in God. And as followers of the word for us today, too, we know that even as we know that need of pondering in the face of obstacles and dangers that lie ahead, we still venture out in the darkness of this world in faith. We know God's promises. Mary's first journey of faith would lead her to the home of that relative Elizabeth. And there are those two women, one young and one old, they would find common cause to rejoice that God's love overcomes the darkness of disgrace. And these two come to sing of the greatness of God in the child of love as Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. But there would be other journeys in her life that Mary would end up pondering about that child. And one of those would definitely be that long journey for Mary, now in her late stages of pregnancy, as she's traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, along with Joseph. And it's going to be a long journey. 
It's not a trip that they were originally planning to take because of a pregnancy, but it was required. The government said to Joseph and others, you have to go to Bethlehem and register. And so Mary pondered that difficult journey, and she pondered even more upon her arrival in Bethlehem. Because when they get there, they find that there's no place in that inn. And so she's got to give birth to that promised child now in a dirty, messy stable as the child is laid in an animal feed trough for his first bed. And when those shepherds came later, well, Mary had some more pondering to do. Those shepherds told her the message about what the angel said about her child, that her child would be the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, and that he would be the one who would bring peace on earth for those whom God's favor rests. Well, Mary, she was surely a a dearly loved mother, and she used all of her strength, really, to care for her son. Her name, after all, means beloved. And so when Jesus was born, she nurtured him and wrapped him in those bands of cloth and laid him in that manger. Well, when Mary, Joseph, and the child went to the temple in Jerusalem for that purification, according to the law of Moses, well, there was that man named Simeon, right? And he's nearing the end of his journey in life. And seeing the child of Mary, Jesus is taken into Simeon's arms, and Simeon proclaims that Jesus is the Savior for all peoples. He says, I saw the light of my salvation. And Mary, she's amazed about all that was said about the child. But then Simeon spoke directly to Mary. And he said to her, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary would later discover what Simeon meant by those last words. Eventually, Jesus, he would become 30 years old now, begin his ministry. And there was one time when he was surrounded by a crowd, and they said to him, well, your mother and your brother are standing outside waiting to see you. Now, it seemed only natural that a mother would want to come and see her son for at least a short visit in the midst of everything he's doing. Well, what was more important was for Mary to ponder now that Jesus' great love, it goes beyond family bloodlines. Because Jesus' response is, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, Jesus wasn't excluding Mary, but he was inviting her and us all to see the depth of God's grace of love. God's love in Christ is not limited to family lines or traditions but it embraces all people, even when we're hated and rejected by others. Jesus, who is the the light of love, he's the one who brings blessing. He does that to many more people than just Mary. Although she was his dear mother, he loved her in a very special way. But all those who live in darkness are really among the lowly the unblessed in life. And what does Jesus call those people? He calls them blessed. The poor, those who mourn, the meek, 
those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted. You know where those words come from. His Sermon on the Mount in in the early part of his ministry. In all those things, to one and all, he says, you are blessed. But Mary, in her song, she continues and says, he has filled the hungry with good things. The child whom Mary fed, he would be the Lord who would be that light of love. And he would make a saving place for all who are spiritually hungry. Jesus is the one who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. No one is turned away from his loving feast of grace. And those who come to his table of grace, well, they're sent out to share his bread with the rest of the world. And that's what we do even today. You come here to worship, but what happens when you leave here? Do you get that word out about who Jesus is and why you've come to celebrate our time together here? Mary then says, he has shown strength with his arm. And Mary would come to the foot of that cross where her child Jesus was being put to death as a rejected enemy of the state. Many of Jesus' disciples, they had already fled. But this dear mother, she would not forget her child. She loved him. And yet even now, that sword is piercing her soul, as Simeon had foretold. But she will not be forgotten or left, out, left without that strength of her child's compassion. Because remember when Jesus had those outstretched arms on the cross, he shined strength from his light of love upon his mother Mary in that hour of death. And looking upon her and that disciple who was beloved, she said to her, woman, behold your son. And to the disciple, she said, behold your mother. Even in the darkness of Jesus' suffering death, why he ended up coming into this world to accomplish that, the light of his love shines upon Mary. Even here, his love is describing really a new community of love. Because now she and that disciple, they're going to come into a very special, caring relationship as he looks after her when Jesus leaves this place. And we've been called to a greater body of love. We call it God's family, the church. And that's what we are doing now. We have that relationship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, on the cross... That strength of Jesus' arms really embraces his mother and us all. No one is left forgotten or without compassion. And even when we make our final crossing from life into death into eternal life, we're welcomed in the strength of his loving arms of our Lord. For all the pondering that Mary did, whose name means beloved, she will find favor forever. Her child Jesus, the light of love, will give her and each of us a new name in that light of heaven, where she is now and we look forward to being. There we will be called, beloved. There is the light of Jesus' love, which grants us that grace eternally. The promise of this 
child, that promised child, Jesus brings mercy to one and all. It's his light and his love that keeps shining in us. And it shines continually, even after 2,000 years from when he was on this earth. His loving mercy and that grace, we know it's from generation to generation. And through all time and through all generations, Jesus, that child of Mary, is the everlasting child of love. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us, that your own child, that son of yours, Jesus, would enable us to become adopted children in your family. And Lord, as we live in a world of darkness, we pray that we would shine that light of your love to others. So be with us this day. Be with us as we celebrate the anniversary of your birth. And may each day be a day that is filled with the joy and peace that comes from above. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.